like to send the happiest days to all of our mothers in the building. Can we give a hand clap for all of our mothers? Or all of our future mothers? That's in the joyous day. Happy Mother's Day. I want them to leave that up there for a second because I, I want you to know we're not going to have a theme scripture today. We're going to go and peruse the passages of scripture back and forth. We're going to go through several different scriptures today. But I want to talk to you today about a particular title and subject in a second. But I just want to take the time to honor all the mothers in the building. I, I, I know I have a phenomenal mother and I married somebody who is a phenomenal mother as I watch the things she does and how she gets kids uh, on time and how she cracks the whip and if you are late she will leave you even coming across the parking lot to church uh, she, she keeps you in line she keeps you going and I, I want to celebrate Robin who is like a spiritual mother of this church can we give a hand clap for a second thankful to all our mothers no blessing like the blessing and joy of motherhood I'm going to have them pull up the topic today. It's going to throw you for a second, but just hang with me. We'll be there. What's today's topic? Breathe. Everybody say it again. Breathe. Look at your neighbor, especially if your neighbor's a mother, and say, Mama, it's okay to breathe. <laughs> it's okay to breathe. What do you mean by that? I mean by that, like I said, there is no joy like the blessings of motherhood. There is no more special gift than the ability to incubate and to nurture life. There is no other creature that God created that so fearfully made that was able to take what was given and to produce something greater. I, I heard a, a preacher one time say, a woman is an incubator. If you give her a house, she'll make it a home. If you give her a seed, she'll make it a child. Whatever you give a woman, she has the ability to produce and to incubate that thing and, and to cultivate it and to create something greater giving you the gift within yourselves to incubate and create life. So motherhood is a special gift. Mothers are a pivotal part of our world and the shaping of our society. Whether you know it or not, everybody in this room has one thing in common. I don't care if you're tall, short, black, white, Latino, whatever you are, you can't do it through a mother. Each one of us had to take that journey. I, I saw a joke that said I too was a man trapped in a woman's body, but then I was born. <laughs> All of us came through a mother. All of us have been nurtured. There is no person to other than God, than your mother, because there is no other person that you've been inside a womb for nine months and been nurtured and been fed straight from whatever she eats, you eat, straight from whatever she gives you. You are a part of her and she is a part of you, somebody that you live. We don't like to live with people more than two or three days, but for nine months, she allows you to live on the inside and she incubates you and helps to give you life through the gift that God has given her and mothers that day that we take time to celebrate the things that God has blessed our women in society with. And sometimes now, unfortunately, that society disdains society. Sometimes disdains femininity, but we celebrate femininity here because you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made and there is nothing more beautiful and there is nothing more delicate and nothing more powerful than a praying woman, a woman of God you with special qualities and special virtues and many times on today like today many pastors across 
gospel pits. We'll open up that famous passage, which is Proverbs 31. I decided to do something different today. Nothing wrong with but Solomon asked a question in Proverbs 31. He says, who can find a virtuous woman? Her prize, her, her, her worth is like rubies. And what he is saying is, what we don't tend to listen to as we preach this text often, is we preach this text, and it is not uplifting many times. It is intimidating to women, because if you read what the virtuous woman does, every woman that's not me. I can't do all those things. I may have one or two of those qualities, but I, I can't hold up to that. And Solomon is telling you something. He said, who can find a virtuous woman? Which means that the describing in the text is very rare. That woman is a rare of person of a kind. So if he's saying that that woman is rare, the majority of the, of the women in the world are the complete polar what? Opposite. Or there's something that's similar. And I hear women uh, saying in their minds, this woman does things and she said city square her husband is, is is he's blessed at the gate and she raises the children and she has a job she has nine to five and she does all these things and what it does many times because we don't look at it a true biblical lens women end up feeling undue pressure because they're trying to live up to a model that does not literally exist those are qualities for which you have to strive but if any mother would be honest you know you've made some mistakes in life <laughs> you know you've done some things that, that are wrong in life and for there are a plethora of different pictures of motherhood, and there's pressure from all corners for mothers to live to a standard of perfection that does not seem attainable. And many mothers crumble beneath the pressure of trying to be perfect. Trying to pretend when you get to church that your kids look good. You, you, you know they're crazy. You said, don't you embarrass me when you get to this place. People have to think I have I have it together because if you act foolish, you make me look what? Me look like a bad mother. You're putting your husband up and not letting him leave the house because it's tired. It's crooked. And if his tie is crooked, then they don't look at you. They look at me. There's a lot of pressure on women to be a mother that they are not necessarily going to be. They are expected to raise godly children and keep happy husbands and be medical experts in the middle of the night when the child wakes up and says, my stomach hurts or my head hurts. You have to become nurse mama and doctor mama. Even though you don't know what to do, you have to pretend that you know what you have to do. You have to be teachers at homework hour. You have to be... You have to be the cleaner and the cooker. You also have to be the accountant. And sometimes you have to have a job pulling in extra income for your family. So many of us, many of the women in this room, fill those slots of the virtuous woman. I know many of them every now and then feel <laughs> so much pressure to try to be perfect. So much pressure to make sure that your kids grow up and they're right. So much pressure to make sure that when your kids are adults, although you can't control it. But I've come to tell you, you can't control what they do when you, they leave your house. You're not responsible for that. But you have raised them in the right and godly way. You don't have to feel pressure because you have done the Bible says, try a child in the way they should go, their natural leanings and their bent. And when they get old, 
They might be a little crazy, but they won't depart from it. I've come to speak to mothers this morning who your children are not in this sanctuary today. And if they are, your children are acting crazy and they're doing stuff that you don't approve of and that God doesn't approve of. You don't worry about that, but you do like my mother said. I heard my mother say many a time, I told the Lord I couldn't raise these children by myself. So I said, Lord, they're your children. I'm going to give them back to you, and you do with them what you will. Do the best you can, but place them in God's hands. Yes, mother, it's, it's okay to breathe, and we try to hold up all these standards mothers do and expectations that seem almost impossible and mental the pressures of being perfect. Many of them fight that I'm not a good mother. Many of them fight that I'm not a great mother. But I want you to see some women in the Bible today who were women that are ever forever immortalized in the pages of the most popular book in the world, but yet they have some issues. For there is a woman by the name of Hagar. And although you may not realize it, Hagar represents a mother that is very prevalent today. She is the single mother. <laughs> Hagar was pulled into a love triangle through no fault of her own by Abraham and Sarah. And as her child got old and was at the very impressive age between 14 to 16, when a man really needs a father, he sees, she sees his father something on their back and send them in the desert with no provision and no hope. And Hagar has to go into the desert. She was slated to be a surrogate for Sarah and then abandoned her child's father. She got caught up in a bad situation, a mess that Sarah and Abraham had created, but yet she bore the brunt of it. And in that same dynamic way, is abandoning her and sending her for it said that Abraham sent her into the desert. Now, I don't know if you really realize this, but the desert is hot. And he only put a little bit of food on her shoulder. He only put a little bit of water in her pot, and which means that at some point you're going to run out of provisions. I want to speak to that mother who may be in this room or who may be listening online who is struggling just to put food on the table, who is struggling just to make ends meet, who is struggling just to make sure your child has what they need because the father, I'm not knocking men, but if the shoe fits, put on, it's a size and a half live up to their responsibility as men that are still struggling, trying to keep it together. Those men that send you to church while they sit at home, you know, sometimes you're married and still single. There's nothing more important than the spiritual life of a child, but many across America, I'm not knocking men, this is not a bashing men day, but this is a call to action. Many men send their families to school or to church while they sit at home. That is not what God is calling you to do. You are creating a single mother. And Hagar represents and lets you know that although you may be in that situation, you are not by yourself. She is saddled with the pressure of raising a son on her own because of her father's mistakes. We see her struggling for survival in the desert, wondering about her son's future. She has run out of provision for Ishmael. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, 21, verse 15 through 18, it says, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. 
God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, and I will make him to a great nation. I want to speak to the struggling mother today. Yes, it is better to have two parent home. Yes, statistically, kids do tend to do better with a father in the home, but sometimes we can't deal with the ideal because the ideal is not what's knocked on our door. Living in a less than ideal situation, <coughs> just know that God still can make a way. God still can provide. God still can deliver. I know what the statistics say, but you say I'm the exception. My child will grow up to be productive. My child will grow up to love the Lord. My child will grow up to be a fearful woman or man of God. I know what the statistics say, but I serve a God that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask a thing somebody that's still dealing with children wondering if things would turn out all right but I encourage you this morning to stop, uh, stop those things and keep your hands in God's hands <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning about another mother a mother who definitely was not perfect a mother by the name of Rahab she was not yet a mother but she had a kind of precarious occupation those of you who have been to Bible study know what that occupation is, but we have kids in the room for Mother's Day, so you can go look it up. But you wouldn't necessarily want to have Rahab's occupation to put out there. Rahab was a woman of the oldest profession in the world, and, and Rahab wasn't necessarily the perfect mother. She had made some mistakes, but when the spies came into her house, she recognized who God was. There are some people who are still out there. They're, they're not in the church like they need to be, but they got enough sense to know that God is real. And, and when they got enough sense to know God is real, eventually they may end up getting pulled in. Don't give up on your child because they once knew God, but they walked away. Because guess what? Just like they walked away, they can walk back to him. I want to speak to a mother that says, I'm not going to give up on my child. They may be acting crazy today, but they're going to be praising the Lord tomorrow because I pray in the name of Jesus that nobody in my household will be lost. Rahab, the Bible says in John 2, 8 through 9, it says before the spies for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting because of you. Verse 12 through 13 of the second book of Joshua, second chapter of Joshua says, now then please swear to me by the Lord, show kindness to my family <coughs> because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and they and, and that you will save us from death. Raise not quite living right at the moment, but she has sense to know what, when she sees the God in people and she prays on the mercy of Joshua that when your God shows up, remember my family. How does she get rewarded for that? She gets rewarded by this because if you know anything about Hebrew genealogies, women don't show up in Hebrew genealogies. It's a different culture. It's a different time. They, they, they talk about the seed and about, about the father. But there are four women or several women, three at least, that show up in the genealogy of Jesus. And can you guess who one of them is? 
The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, Then Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. I want to speak to a mother who may be in this room right now. You know you're not living right. You know you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. But God still said there's room at the cross for you. And how you started doesn't dictate how you finish. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. Call on the Lord what he may be found. Call unto him and he will answer you. I've come to David let you in and say, Oh, my sin, be a scarlet. I will make you white as snow. See, there are all types of mothers. There are who are the single mother. There are mothers like Rahab, who are not the mother that's kind of what they would say in the world. Now, she's for the streets. She's out in the streets right now, and she's not really living how she needs to be living. But God can still take that person and use them. Why am I excited about Rahab? Because I remember the words of a song that said, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, and very deep stained within and to rise no more but then the master of the sea he heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me now safe love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else would help love lifted me when the social worker wouldn't work when the judge wouldn't work somebody knows that love will help you and love will drop you, draw you. I want you to see another type of woman. This woman is called the Shunammite woman. This woman is a godly woman who recognizes God. She recognizes the God in people so much that when the prophet Elisha comes, she said, there's just something about that fellow. And she goes to her husband and she says, he keeps coming through. So what I want you to do is I want you to build an entire addition on our house just for the prophet. <laughs> It's hard to get your husband to build one thing when you want it for yourself, but to build it for another dude. She said, you don't understand. This is a godly man. I need you to build a spot for him where he can lay down and he can sleep when he comes through here because I want the presence of God in my house. I've come to talk to these women that are in this building. You know why you're here? You want the presence of God in your house. You're a wonderful woman. You're a wise woman. Because you want the presence of God in your house. And you realize tragedy is going to come whether you're saved, whether you're lost. But if you have the presence of God in your house, you have hope that the unbeliever doesn't have. Is there anybody that says, I want the presence of God to be in my house. I want the presence of God to be on my children. I want the presence of God to go down through my generations. I want my grandkids to serve God. I want my great-grandchildren to serve God because I serve a mighty God. The Shunammite woman served. She was good to the prophet, but one day the said that her son was walking in, in, in the sun and he told his father, my head hurts. And they laid the boy down right in the building where they had made on the side of the house for the prophet and the boy died. But this woman, although she knew things looked bleak, she got on her horse and she said, saddle up fellas, we're going to take a ride and I'm going to the prophet. And even her, her husband looked at her and said, what are you doing today? In other words, he can't do it good. But she said, about what day it is. I'm going to get up and I'm going to 
anyway. Is there any mother in the building that doesn't care what it looks like, that you don't give up on your child? It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm so glad that my mother prayed for me when I didn't have sense enough to pray for myself. Do you have a mother that prayed for you? You had a mother that took care of you? You have that wanted to not give up on you? This Shunammite woman said, I'm not going to give up on my child. And as she became, again, to walk up to the prophet Elisha, Elisha sent one of his servants, Gehazi, out. And I like her response. Although she knew her son was sick, although she knew her son was dying, Gehazi said, is there anything I can help you with? Is everything going good in your family? She said, all is well. <laughs> That's a statement of faith that means right now, but if I can just get God to move in my situation, all will be well. I want you to know there's nothing like the power of a praying mother. There's nothing like a mother who's looking down over her child. It's good to know theology. It's good to doctrine, but I've come to tell you there's no closeness that you can have to your child with them when the doctor is shaking his head over your child. You need the moan and the mother begins to beseech the throne of God and begin to pray. Because when that mother prays, shackles will come down. When that mother prays, healing will come in. When that mother prays, deliverance will strike forth. There is nothing like the power of a praying mother. I'm so glad I didn't have a perfect mother, but I had a praying mother. If she's in flesh, she didn't have a perfect reasons you're probably in this room right now is because you had a praying mother. She might not have been perfect. She might not have came to church every but guess what? She was a praying woman. <laughs> there are mothers who will give anything for their child. Anything like the mother in 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 16 who was not a godly life. She had an occupation that was similar to Rahab over on her, somebody rolled up on their child, and their child died. <laughs> and that person and put it in her place, and when she woke up, she realized that the babies were switched, and she brought the case over to Solomon. And Solomon said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Since we can't figure out which baby it is, what I will do is, <laughs> I'll just get a sword and cut the baby in half. <laughs> and i give half to you and half to her. But one and the, the selfish woman decided to say, good, if I can't have her, then she can't have her. But Solomon knew what the mother's love would do. The mother said, stop what I have, the baby. I've come to tell you that there are some mothers out there who are selfless. Hurt, make sure that they take care of the child. There are some mothers who sacrificed and dealt with some pain and had to wa watch their children walk ways that they didn't want them to walk because they couldn't walk that them, but they, they still allowed them to go. Why? Because while they were going, they were praying, but they were never giving up on their child. They rather endure pain themselves. That woman would rather endure the pain of loss of her child forever than the pain, the pain that her child would face for a sword going through the body. That's what a mother's love does. I know as I became a parent, I realized something, that how much my mother sacrificed because we live in a two-parent home and I lived in a one-parent home. And in a two-parent home, I'm tired. 
You get tired of taking people here and there and doing this and that and praying and teaching and doing those things by yourself with two people in the house. And I remember I had one person in the house that would get up every morning and breakfast for me before I went to school. Yes, she cooked there every morning before I went to school and would cook dinner for me when I got back and would work so long at a factory that sometimes I my grandmother's house before she ever came and work 50 to 60 hours a week and she would get up and cook and clean and work on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and, and, and make sure you had food and everything was taken care of and sometimes I realized that when I went on trips to go to Washington and other places when I went back and started researching sometimes the money my mother gave me was the money that it took for her to make all week long but she didn't want her child to go without she didn't want to be different from the other children who had affluence and she had none. So she sacrificed. And as I got older, she would tell me sometimes she would go to work and wouldn't have a quarter to put in the vending machine to buy herself a drink. But she was okay as long as her child was okay. Being a mother means sacrifice. Being a mother means that sometimes you have to give up your wants. That's why we celebrate Mother's Day, not just because God has given you the gift of life, but if you're a true mother, we know that sometimes you have to give up what you want for the good of your child. Sometimes you have to give up what you want for the good of your husband and your household. And today, we celebrate those sacrifices that you make every single day to make sure that your children have what they need. But I would be remiss if I forgot one woman because she represents a woman that many people overlook because the Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter 2 that there was a woman, she was a pagan woman, but she was bathing in the Nile. Why is this woman important? Because this woman does not have the ability to have children. She doesn't have any kids. And she looks in the Nile and she sees a basket rolling down through the Nile. And she takes this child and she raises the child as her own after he's weaned. I want to speak to the adoptive mothers today. Because sometimes in the world, people are always arguing about the ability to cancel life and the ability to abort children. But do you know there are millions of people around the world that want to have children and they cannot have children? And what more beautiful a thing than a mother who can't produce somebody else's child in and say, I love you just like you and my own. I want to celebrate adopted mothers today and those who can't have children on the things you do. Make the difference. Just because they didn't come from your body doesn't mean you're not a mother. You are a mother to them. I celebrate the Bible says younger, older women shall teach the younger. If you're in the church and you're an older woman, whether you like it or not, whether you have children or not, you are a mother because there is some young lady that's watching you. Why did I give you all these examples of people? Even there is another person in the Bible by the name of Tamar. And Tamar does some kind of unscrupulous things, but it's because she was treated wrongly by her father-in-law. She couldn't have children. She killed her first husband, and he killed himself because he was evil. And so Judah uh, gave her his next son, and his next son didn't do what he was supposed to do as far as the child, so he died. And so this time Judah's 
figured out he's got the black widow and he's not going to give his third son to him. And he says, I'm going to give my son to you. And she sees the son grown, but he doesn't do it. And so what she does is something unscrupulous. She dresses up and disguises and makes Judah father her child, which you would say would be unscrupulous. But Judah even looks at him and says, the reason you did this was not because you were wicked, but you have shown that you are more righteous than I am because I knew what I was supposed to do and I didn't do it. Why am I giving you all these examples of imperfect women? For the same reason that I like the Bible, because the Bible doesn't show us whitewashed pictures of people who do not exist. The Bible shows us real life people with their real life struggles and tells you that even in the midst of your imperfection, God can still move in your life. <coughs> Mother, it's okay to breathe. You, you can. It's time for God to do the rest. It's okay to breathe. I know some of you, your children may not be following God like you want them to follow. They may be looking at lives completely and polar opposite, but as long as you raise them to know right, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta deal with that. Just know I did the best. I can. You don't have to live to anybody else's expectations. You don't have to live to your mother-in-law, whoever telling you that you're not a good mother. If you show up and you with your imperfect self and mess up, but you still got enough boldness and bravery to show up the next day and do it again, guess what? You are a good mother. It's time for you to breathe. will never be good enough to relieve the stress and the pressure. Some of us have children that are grown that we made mistakes with. And we beat ourselves up every Mother's Day. Why do you beat yourself up every Mother's Day or Father's Day? Because you realize that the way you lived when you were young wasn't the best. And if you'd have lived a little better, you'd have a closer relationship. But I've learned something being a parent myself. You do the best that you do. You do the best that you can. Sometimes I'd be mad at my parents for some things and try to came up in a way with a better life. But as I begin to live life, like my mother said, keep living, I realized the mistakes I made. I realized that my parents weren't malicious. My parents were just doing the best that they could. They were doing the best they knew how. Pull up Timothy. I want you to know that God loves you, not because you're perfect, but because you're good. He loves you not because you get everything right, because if you're honest, you get a lot wrong. We all get a lot wrong. Let's read this together. Verse Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he says this, he does. We had done. Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so having justified by of eternal life. Thank God for His grace. Thank God that I don't have to be perfect because I wouldn't make it. That I don't 
dot every I and cross every and sometimes I mess up and sometimes mama, yes, you lose your temper. Yes, they're not acting right or they won't sit still when you're combing their hair. Or yes, they bring home a boy and you say, I know you don't you ever bring him back in my house again. Or, 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 or a girl, you say, oh no, you can't marry her. No, they do things that you don't want them to do. And you say, where did I go? Today I want to remove that temper and remind you that none of us are perfect. But we all have purpose. Those were the three points I had. And as I as I leave here today, I want you to hear that. Everybody say, you're not perfect. But you have purpose. I want you to say, I'm this time. I'm not perfect. But I have purpose. I've made mistakes. But I've been made new. It's okay to breathe. It's okay to breathe. Let it go. The mistakes you made and the things you wish you could do better, let it go. God loves you. He knew the mistakes you would make before he blessed you with that child. And he still entrusted them to you. It's okay to breathe. Even though it's not Father's Day, Daddy, it's okay to breathe. Stop living under guilt and condemnation. Realize that God loves you just like you love those little ones. It's okay to breathe. Now, as we stand today, something on your mind or your heart where you need to give it to God, this altar is open. I'm not going to call up the prayer team just yet. The prayer team will come up as people come up. But this altar is for you today. As Brother Dave comes. Today you're celebrated, mothers, and I pray that what the word of God has given you today is a little bit of freedom. There's a little bit of peace. There's a little bit of joy. That we celebrate you. And you don't have to have the pressure to be the perfect person. But you're loved and you're special. I want everybody in this building, whether you are a mother or have a mother, to raise your voices in your hands and give God a huge hand clap of praise for every mother in this place. Amen.